Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today's episode is brought to you in partnership with Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what the hype was all about. Now, I literally can't miss a day. It's the first thing I put in my body every single morning. As someone who suffers from IBS, AG1 has completely improved my gut health and allows me to have sustained energy throughout the day. And since I'm always on the go, the travel packs make it so easy to stay consistent wherever I am. Love it. I've personally been taking AG1 for a while. And as someone who lacked a multivitamin routine, AG1 has been the perfect product to mix into my morning routine. Truthfully, I was a skeptic at first as I'm with most supplements and vitamins, but I've felt noticeably better at the start of morning workouts and definitely have seen an improvement in my digestive health. I tend to mix my AG1 with two tablespoons of lemon juice and coconut water, and it's delicious. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash STW. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash STW to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by blogger, influencer, and investor, Rachel Mansfield. She does it all. Rachel leveraged her incredible knowledge of food, cooking, and community to start her own early-stage consumer fund, Great Shit Ventures. Rachel is really able to differentiate herself in this space as she has access to her followers, which allows her to really see if a product is viable. We talked to Rachel about her own blog, how she likes to work with consumer brands, and her journey from food blogger to investor. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. We are very, very excited to be chatting with you. Um, For our listeners, can you give us a little lowdown on where you come to us from and, and what's going on in your world right now? Sure. Well, literally speaking, I'm coming to you from my office in Milburn, New Jersey. Um, I am a mom of two with a third baby on the way. Um, and I run my, I guess like food brand. I've been calling it a food brand, but I feel like that gets like confusing for people. Food content creation brand, et cetera, for the last eight years. Um, and this is where I run everything from this, from this office. That's amazing. So probably a lot of our listeners know you through your blog, which was your your initial starting point. And now you've transitioned to beyond that and you've started your own fund with your husband. So we kind of want to touch on all these things, but I would love to understand how the blog concept and recipe ideation and development started. So back in my junior year of college, I became like very fixated on healthier food. And this was like 2010, 2011. So it wasn't really like as much of a scene as it is now, but I started paying pretty close attention to the food that I was eating, 
how I was fueling my body. Um, and I struggled with my relationship with food where I was either overeating, undereating, obsessing over eating, and I just like couldn't do it anymore. And when I went to go like, I guess, shift my mindset towards food, that's when I like started to pay attention to everything and loved cooking. Mind you, I didn't know how to like even touch raw chicken. Like I didn't know how to cook it. I didn't know how to cut an, I still don't know how to cut an onion, but like have no culinary experience. My husband makes funny because I don't know. I don't have any kitchen, like actual skills. Um, and I started creating like just recipes for myself, like making overnight oats when I was commuting to my job after college. And I would make like throw like waffles and peanut butter, bring it for lunch. And people were like, what the hell are you eating? Like, why won't you just like go to the sandwich place? But, like, I just loved experimenting with food. And I started posting recipes on my Instagram, my personal Instagram account. When I was at, I was working at a CPG company in the food and beverage space. And I felt that I was like undervalued and undercompensated for the work that I was doing. And I started the, at the company being the executive assistant to the CEO and founder, which was in retrospect, the best job ever to prime me for what I'm doing right now. Cause I helped with like investor relations and fundraising. And I started the earned media department. And this was before Instagram was even a thing. Like influencer wasn't a term and I loved what I was doing, but they weren't paying me enough money to support myself um, and like contribute to my marriage living in Chelsea in Manhattan. So I started posting recipes as like a side hobby or hustle of sorts. And I also looked into walking dogs, babysitting, selling overnight oats. Like I just wanted a side income. And then when I started sharing recipes, my passion for that grew even more. And then about eight months after that, I was fired from my job. Um, they felt it was going to be a conflict of interest, which to me is so funny because now so many brands, I feel like they appreciate having an employee that has like their own business or side passion or like is involved in the space. So they had fired me from my job and that had kind of given me the push that I never would have given myself to see if I could run this full time and like turn this into a business. And that was I think seven years in December, seven or eight years. I have to think about that. Um, the pregnancy brain is so real. Um, and I haven't, I haven't looked back. Wow. That's awesome. I guess, um, since we talked to so many, you know, brands and founders that have started their own consumer companies, um, so much of today is about like the influencer angle and investing in social and whatnot. How did you personally like build your blog because the blog that we see today is is not the blog that started out years ago so I'm curious like how did you really lean in and build it from from something I think something that I was talking about this yesterday with my with my management team when we were talking about like 2023 goals I really stayed like tried and true to my passion of food I started off just making food that's like quote healthier but like you know, not in an isolating way, not all my recipes. Like I'm not a vegan blogger. I'm not a paleo blogger. I'm not a gluten-free blogger. I just, excuse me, make food that tastes good and fuels your body and is made with like nutrient dense ingredients. So like they are good for you, but you're not just like eating salad every day. You are having cookies, you're having banana bread. It's not, as I would say, like isolating in the healthier food space. And I think that really has attracted people over the last handful of years. And in addition to that, as I've grown as a person, I've also, you know, I became a mom, I got married, 
when I opened up about getting fired from my job, like I bring my community along for the ride. So they know every part of my life. Like when you asked me before this, like, is there anything you won't talk about? Like, sadly, no, like I've spoken about everything. I'm, I'm an open book. And I think people can really relate to that. And sometimes when you look at social media, everything just looks so perfect and perfectly curated. And my recipes and reels aren't overly styled. They're made with the intent that like anyone can make the food that I'm making. Yeah. It sounds like, like the open book thing is really just like the word is authenticity, right? Like you're authentic at all times. You never kind of hide anything. You're constantly self-disclosing what you're authentically feeling. Um, kind of taking your experience as like a blogger and building kind of your following when you're kind of like looking at the crowded space of emerging consumer brands, like what really like excites you or makes you feel like an affinity to a brand in terms of the way that they approach like organic content, or maybe even in your investor hat, when you're trying to assess, like if a company has a really good social strategy, like what are the core components that like stick out to you? Um, for a company that's doing it really well? That's a really good question. And to be honest, I don't think that I ever really pay close attention to a brand's social media when we're investing in them, which I feel like actually sounds kind of silly now that I'm saying that out loud. But I think that for brands, social media and the marketing of their product obviously is crucial. It's key. But a lot of the times when I'm looking at brands are such an early stage startup that like they don't have a team. They don't have the resources to allocate to something like that. So I think at first I'm more so just looking at like the product in and of itself um, and then paying attention to their like social media later on. You know, for example, Hugh Kitchen was the first brand we ever invested in. And I can't even tell you what they were doing on social media for four or five years ago. I think now they're doing an amazing job, um, but I just never play like play to pay too close attention to it. Um, I do like to make sure that the brand's not like, slutty on social media if that makes sense like that they're doing things tastefully in some way um I don't like invest like I don't like a lot of brands that work with every single influencer or like are you know just kind of doing a little bit too much but yeah I don't really pay, pay as close attention to other people's social other brands social media are you bullish on TikTok as like the future content engine that everyone needs to pay attention to, or are you kind of like mixed feelings about it? Oh, I hope not, but I think it is. I think, I think that TikTok, I think brands are really learning how to lean into TikTok. And like, I personally am too. I still haven't been able to figure it out. It's something that like TikTok is a very different audience and I don't really have much overlap from Instagram and like from my Instagram to my TikTok and vice versa. Um, I think that TikTok is the social media platform of like future generations for sure. I think that a lot of like the younger generations are like leaning heavily into TikTok. So brands are going to have to, if they want to like stay afloat or stay yeah. relevant, I should say. It's so interesting. I, yeah, I think that's like a really good perspective and like very accurate. I think it's interesting too. Like I was listening to this podcast the other day and they're just, you know, talking a lot about like the emergence of TikTok as like the channel, but then they had an interesting conversation about like how it's like the one platform here where like China is like directly tied in every single way. And like, there's just like a huge risk that like, if you really bet a lot of your brand on TikTok and build like a lot of your awareness through TikTok, like if one day the plug is pulled for whatever reason, maybe it's political, like 
or maybe it's privacy. I, I don't know. Like you're, but you can, and and then all of these creators will just be in shambles. So it's it's like I agree. It is kind of like the channel of the future. But I feel like to your point, like building across a lot of different channels, and, and obviously being focused, you can't invest in every channel. But being like having taking a multi-channel approach just to like future proof that risk, I actually think is is pretty important because just with that tie to China, like you just don't know what what could happen. It's it's scary. Like I I still don't always feel safe posting things in general on social media. And then when I hear about those like conspiracy theories about TikTok in China, I just like it kind of freaks me out. I was yeah. also pretty late to the TikTok game. Like I didn't start my TikTok till about a year ago. So that was a lot later than other content creators, but to what you were just saying, like, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. But at the same time, some TikTok creators are killing it income-wise on, on that platform. Did you see the, like, Forbes, uh, like, top 30 content creators list? It's, it is it's wild amazing. how much those ki- kids, I can say yes. kids, because they're kids, are making yeah. money. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, I could talk about this for, like, 30, like, an hour, but <laughs> I honestly think that there's going to be a lot of them that that create products that generate like maybe five to 10 to even 15, depending on the following million dollars in like top line. And then like, if they can't, like, if the product isn't truly amazing, like, first of all, they're not going to see repeat purchase. They're not going to bring non-following consumers into like the brand. And over time, I think a lot of people are going to get burned in terms of capital deployment by just like, betting on someone who has a big audience, but like doesn't put the right people operationally around as well as like the product in place that like garners like retention and repeat. And so it's a really hard space, I think, to like approach from an investment perspective. Like you're going to have people who immediately go from like zero to 10 overnight and like garner like large valuations, but like, which makes it hard to invest beyond, especially as an early stage investor. And then you're also just going to see tons of crowded, like spaces emerging because anyone can kind of do it and then like trying to figure out if there's going to be like actual repeat is it's like a hard thing to predict you know it is Um, and I think but that even goes across for Instagram too where it's just hard to measure the success of partnerships from like the way that brands are partnering with influencers right now there's not it's not easy to like know something successful and like sometimes especially when brands aren't just like DTC and they're not you're not just using a code to track redemptions. It's like, how do you know someone's not going into Whole Foods and buying the product that someone's talking about? 100%. Yeah, it's such like a loaded topic. Um, But I think that brands just here, I guess really to answer your question, like brands like should be on TikTok if if they want to like, you know, keep up with the times. Yeah, that's totally fair. I want to shift and talk about the latest venture in your world. transitioning from not just being a recipe developer and food blogger and mom and wife and everything, but to starting your own fun with your husband. Um, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, the name is the best. So share, share it all. The name was a joke. I still can't believe that we actually publicized the name. So to give a little bit of background, four years ago, uh, we made our first personal investment into Hugh Kitchen and the chocolate company. And that happened because I wanted to find a way to get involved in the handful of brands that I really thought were like gonna make it and gonna thrive. And like, how else can I get involved in these companies besides just like the transactional social media post? Like, what can I do to really help them grow? And like, also just like 
take our relationship to like another level? Like how can we get a little bit more intimate and how else can I really be involved? And I was familiar with investing and like angel investors and that like when you're walking through the aisles of Whole Foods or whatever grocery store, there's investors backing all the products that you're buying. So I want, I knew that there would be an opportunity. So I had cold called or emailed the former CEO of Hugh and just said, Hey, my name's Rachel, huge fan of your chocolate. I would love to invest in your company if you're fundraising. Like literally that's how this went down. And she had responded and said, Rachel, we know who you are. You post about us every day on Instagram. Um, we're not currently fundraising anymore, but we would love to have you come in and meet with, um, his name's Jason Carp who is now the founder of Human Co. So he was one of the founders of, of Hugh. And I went and met with him. They made like an exception to their closed round and let us invest in Hugh. And that was when I learned that brands viewed me as a strategic investor. And I said to Jordan, my husband, like, are you kidding me? Like, that's amazing. Like these brands, like, like that, like I'm, I'm able to bring something to the table. Like what else can we do here? We should find some more companies that we want to get involved in. So over four years, we invested personally in 10 different brands, um, Serenity Kids, Lalo, most recently Midday Squares, Nowadays. And during that time, a lot of my Instagram followers, friends, family, just brands and people we would talk about within, with the products that we we're investors in, they were like, how can we invest? Like, how can we get involved in these companies? And you guys know, like, it's, Brands are really strategic about who they take money from, like rightfully so. But I didn't like that someone could have the same passion for Hue Chocolate as I do, but they weren't able to become a part of the magic that we were involved in. So we started the name Great Shit with no vowels as a joke because my dad wanted to invest with us side by side on all of the companies. And so we have like our own like family LLC. And then when we, when I said to Jordan, he was miserable working in his job in private equity last August. And one day I came home from my morning walk and I was like, Jordan, why don't you just quit your job and help me run my business? And then we could like start our own fund and invest even more and like really take this to the next level. And he just, this is, this is, this is how every single thing goes with Jordan. I, he just looks at me and he's like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> And then we did it. Like we, he put in his notice. He started helping me with my job. And then we kicked off great shit in April of 2020. We've raised $2 million. And now we're focusing on investing that and still with the same like investment thesis of like better for you brands or brands that are products that are making your life easier or simpler in one way or another. We're not looking for brands that are reinventing the, re the wheel because I don't want to invest in like trendy things. I like Hue because it's chocolate. I like Lalo because it's a high chair and it's a play table. It's things that you're, they're never going to go out of style. They're always going to be relevant. So we definitely have an emphasis on like evergreen products and products that can also like reach the masses. So when they're walking around a Target or a Walmart or a Costco, it doesn't take a lot of education to teach them like like most people, like they think about, someone can pick up ashwagandha and be like, I don't know what this means. Like, what does this do? Like, I love that. And I think there's a time and a place but we definitely lean more towards like the necessities and like things that don't require a lot of education. I love that. The thesis is amazing. And I think you're so differentiated and positioned to, to kind of tackle this space because of the initial angle that you come from, which is being 
super involved in recipe development and as an influencer, et cetera. So like you see these brands from a very different angle than your your typical investor sees and interacts with, with a brand. I guess now having your investor hat on, what are some things that you're looking for? I know you mentioned kind of your thesis, but like what are some things that you're looking for as you interact with these companies? That's a good question. And we're definitely still, I would say, streamlining our exact like evaluation process of like what we're looking for. But first things first, we have to try samples of a product. I actually got to the point where I won't take a call with a brand or a founder until I like eat and drink or put your product on me. Like I need to like actually try this at first and be like, am I going to buy this? is someone else going to buy this? Would I eat this again? Like, is this something I would put on my weekly grocery list or monthly shopping list, whatever? For example, we were really excited about this company that I finally tried the product. I spoke to the founder try, and then tried the product three weeks later and didn't like the product. And it just kind of like, was like, what was the point of me even talking to them three weeks ago and spending all this time? So first things first, I like to make sure that I personally am a fan of the product or my husband or my kids or wherever that's relevant. I also like to post about it on Instagram and get immediate feedback because I think that's definitely a unique spin that our fund has is that I have, you know, the opinions of half a million people of what they think of a certain product. Um, and that's really insightful when it comes to like, have they tried it and do they like it? Do they try it and they won't buy it again? Did they have a bad customer service um, encounter? Like we get, I get so much feedback sometimes that it's like overwhelming, but it's important. We also look at, and then more from like an evaluation standpoint, we have to like the founders. And I don't just mean like, I don't like you, like I'm not investing. It's more like, are we vibing? Like, do I trust you that like you're going to scale this brand to like where we also see it? Do we see eye to eye on like what the end goal is? Are you going to stick to your guns? Or are you easily influenced by what other brands are doing and like what their approach is to market? Um, we spoke to a brand last week that said they don't want to be in any nationwide real retailers. I'm like, well, then how are you going to like exit your company? Like there's times where you can like the product and then you just don't like the approach that the founder of the brand has. Um, and then we dive into their financials, which is definitely more where my husband comes into play with his experience in in finance. So we look at their margins, their monthly spend, are they meeting their revenue goals, but how much are they spending on a quarterly basis to reach those goals? And are they paying for influencer marketing? A lot of the times when I invest in a brand, I don't want them paying for influencer marketing yet, depending on the size that they're at. They should be focusing on their operations and getting into every retailer before they're paying someone to post about their product. Um, there's so many so many things that we look at. Are they manufacturing their own product? Are they paying? Do they own their own machinery? We want to be invested in a company that spent like millions of dollars on their own machinery and it just backfired. Like they were too young. They shouldn't have done that. They should have used a co-packer. So what their approach is, what their product innovations are, what's in the world, like if it is something that's too trendy, I don't know. I'm like so wordy about this, but there's so many things that we look for. Right. It makes sense. And, and I love the the vastness of what you guys look at, because I think, you know, you touched on so many important key factors. I do want to touch on uh, a really great collab that I think pioneered a lot of this thinking, especially in the venture world for you with your partnership with Sweet Nothings and developing like the the special edition flavor that's that's yours. Um 
can you talk us through like how that partnership began, what it was like to create an actual, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like your physical, like first physical product out in the world, um, as opposed to like a book or just a recipe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was awesome. It was definitely a very wild sense of timing. So we invested in Sweet Nothings, I want to say like two, maybe two and a half years ago. I'm not exactly sure on the timing, but Jake, the co-founder and CEO is like a dear friend of ours. He's an advisor for great shit. We talk to him basically every single day. And my son, my oldest son, Ezra, he's three and a half now. But since he was like two, he's been eating their like spoonable smoothies every single day. He loves them. He calls it, calls it ice cream. I'm like, sure. If you want to think that blended dates and fruit and chia seeds or whatever is ice cream, like be my guest. And Jake, I had my second son, Brody. I'm like a week postpartum and Jay calls me <laughs> and he's like, let's do a product collab. I'm like, I'm in a diaper. I can't do a product collab right now. But he was like, he has that like entrepreneurial, like, you know, mindset and which, which I resonate with. Like, he was just like, no, we can make it happen. Like X, Y, and Z. And I just said, you know what? Let's do it. And we decided on an apple cinnamon, like peanut butter flavor. And we went, I went to the co-packer. I think it was like eight months later by the time they like found a co-packer and everything landed. And I always said I would never do a product on my own, which it's like, you never say never, but it was definitely a really awesome trial. We sold out in like 12, less than 12 hours on their website. It just completely exploded. It was amazing. And like, it just kind of gave a sense of like proof of there's proof in the pudding, like an influencer can actually sell product, but I, if I'm being so heavily involved in the CPG space, I'm not starting my own product. I don't want to, I don't want to move at expo. I'd rather walk the floor at expo and go from there. Um, but I love it. And it actually has my wheels turning to do other product collabs in the future. Cause I think there's a lot of products, especially as a mom that I wish that I had for my kids, um, or things that I would change. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to do more things like that. Yeah. Uh, so many good, so much good goodness in there. I want to, uh, turn to our rapid fire, um, which is where I'll throw some random questions your way and you hit me with whatever comes to mind first. Okay. okay. No pressure. Your favorite CPG product right now. Right now. Oh, that's really hard. Uh, I have to say seven Sundays cereal. Like I can't stop eating it. I, I'm a cereal fanatic. Um, we did actually just invest in them. It took like three months to finally like figure out the legality parts of it, but I'm hooked on the cereal. I eat it every single day, like as a snack. I don't even like eat it for breakfast. I eat it all day. Have you tried purely Elizabeth's new cereal? Like, have I tried? Of course I tried. So Elizabeth Stein is one of the advisors for great shit as well, which I basically shit my pants when that happened. She invested monetarily in our fund. And I was like, do you want to be an advisor? And she said, yes. And I, like, she's someone I've looked up to for almost 10 years. Like I've been eating her granola that I eat every single morning, like clockwork. Um, her cereal is amazing. I actually just made, um, I should show you, I made like, I make this chia seed jelly and I put the jelly into like ice cube trays and then I let it freeze. And then I, I popped them out. I covered it in chocolate. And then the, the cereal on top is like a crunchy, like desserty bite. Oh my God, they're so good. Um, which flavor do you like better? I like can't decide which I like. See, I'm just like peanut butter everything, but okay. like I happily eat both of them. So okay. she's actually, 
the yeah I say this for all the time purely Elizabeth is the only brand that I will eat any skew any flavor that she eats and like eat it with happiness so like whichever but I'm just peanut butter is my bread and butter so which granola is your I'm assuming the the honey peanut or the peanut butter one? Oh, the honey pe- yeah you're a big fan oh I I mean well and I had the cereal I just got her new cereal and it's so amazing like so, so good. good and there's granola clusters in it yeah. like it's it's phenomenal um yeah I love everything that she like that's one of the brands I'm like why didn't I invest in this eight years ago yeah um, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people have said that about that brand um okay well this might answer my next question but your go-to snack so you're like recipe developer connoisseur I'm a massive fan of your blog what's your like go-to my go-to snack is definitely a banana with peanut butter with granola. Of course. That's, <laughs> I could have told you that. Soccer or like a bowl of cereal. I definitely lean heavily in the sweeter over savory. I'm not a savory snacker. I would say the most savory thing I ever snack on are is like popcorn. Kettle, and, and probably kettle corn flavored. <laughs> Shockingly, no, I don't really like kettle corn. It's too sugary. I also have gestational diabetes. So like it just backfires all the time. Um, but yeah, definitely like banana with peanut butter with like either cacao nibs or granola or something along those lines is my go-to snack. Got it. Dream collab. So obviously you've had an amazing experience working with Sweet Nothings, but you also have exposure to like an amazing array of brands. What's your like dream collab? My dream collab is my own customized like lunchbox for kids Ooh, like bento style kind of with like a lot of the tweaks and things that I don't like about the ones that we have um and like just snack containers in general like when Ezra was in his like twos program I didn't need to fit a bento box like there was too much food for like the two hours he was there I just there just needs to be more like I have a lot of feedback for bento box companies and I would love to make to make my own and Ezra can sell ice to an Eskimo. So I want to have Ezra and Brody involved in it, but that would be, that would be awesome. I just beg Lalo to do it with me. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, so we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So what are some things you do on a daily, weekly basis to be able to show up not only for yourself, but for your family and for your business ventures? My morning walk. I'm like so habitual about my morning walk. It's free. It's amazing. It's exercise. I walk for an hour. It's like, if I don't like Jordan knows it's not an option for me not to walk. Like I, you don't want to, there's never been a day that I don't, I walked on the day of my wedding. Actually well, postpartum, I don't walk for a few days, but like, you know what I mean? It's rain or shine. It's my everything. I, it clears my head. I talk to my mom. It's just, it's so needed. Do you listen to any like books or podcasts or? You know, I do. Well, no, I'm sorry. I started reading a couple of months ago. Um, I'm not that like good about reading. I would like to be like when I'm reading a book, I get like fixated on it. And I can't put it down, but I don't like listening to books. I like to like physically read a book, like not even a Kindle, like a legit book. Yeah. And podcasts, I listen to the morning toast, which I think most people would be pretty surprised at, but I like, I don't know. I love what they do. Like, I think, I think that they're amazing, amazing at really keeping you engaged. I don't agree with 50% of the stuff that they say, yeah. but it, I love listening to it and it's like always readily available. And I think that's, 
That's awesome. Um, I think when I started my podcast, I stopped listening to a lot of other people's podcasts because I just, I don't know. It's kind of like when I started making my own recipes, I never read someone else's food blog. Yeah, that's fair. You just like, you know it best. No, no, I don't know best. It's more just like, I don't feel like No, but it's not, you know it best. It's more like you look at it with a different eye or there's a new lens layer that's that's added to the equation. No, I, I, I get that. Where can our listeners learn more about you, find you, find more about great shit, et cetera? So I'm on social media everywhere, Rachel L. Mansfield. So it's Rachel Mansfield with no E in Rachel. Although I do have an E in Rachel in my name. That is a very confusing point of my branding. But I made the email address rachelmansfield at gmail.com in high school. So like this wasn't intended to be like a business. Um, which is pretty funny. And then great shit is great shit ventures, our website, Instagram that we really need to start posting on and it has no vowels in great shit. Love it. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate review and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time.